Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Good morning, everyone. It is a very, very chilly day in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I think the thermometer read minus 31. So at minus 32 Fahrenheit and Celsius are exactly the same. So if you're in the States and you go by Fahrenheit, well, yeah, we're basically minus 32. But hey, we've been living in this for, I'd say, probably about five days now. So we've acclimated and uh, it doesn't bother us. So on that note, let's open up the doors to all of our guests here at the Q virtual chat. And uh, we're going to have a very, very interesting conversation. Hey, and we've got some new faces. I want to say welcome. And ladies, there is a man in the house, so to speak. Okay, <laughs> so let's all be nice to him. <laughs> all right, and good to see you, Rana. Hey, girl, always good. And hi, Charlotte and Kirsten. Yes, and I want to introduce, and you're going to have to give away uh, Cheyenne. Yes, hi. Hi, and is it Kaya or Kaya? Kaya. It's Kaya. Kaya. Give away Kaya. These lovely ladies represent NSI, and of course, our gentleman of the hour, Curtis, New uh, Curtis Moore. I want to say Curtis Newton, sorry, but he is also a local entertainer, and you know what? It was the bow tie. You know, that kind of, yes, and I think, Curtis, you are muted. So just unmute yourself. There we go. Hi. Oh, hey. So uh, we brought Curtis here today. Thanks uh, to Susie reaching out. Um, I'm going to start maybe with you, Curtis, if I can. Sure. Um, because it's, I think, now official. There is the news conference today, right now. Rana's nodding her head. Let's, oh, and Susie's joined us. Good. So let's kind of clarify things. And just uh, Kaya and Cheyenne, yeah, we're just kind of getting out of our red uh, restriction zone so you curtis can now work am i correct uh, i can yeah the, uh, i believe they said as of uh, the 12th of february uh photographers are allowed to work um for you know private residents um and also shoot weddings which is really exciting because i have a small wedding in uh, less than a week from now so it, uh, it came under the wire and uh so it uh, it feels nice to be able to reach out to clients finally as the weather is freezing I know. <laughs> so I don't know, hence, whether you'll be doing a lot of outdoor shooting. But um, you know what, let's talk about this whole process uh, for photographers, even at the get go in the beginning, right, with all of the CERB payments and all of these big grants or whatever, you the photographers were kind of left outside. So yeah, a little bit, they they, um, they finally uh, categorized us as retail during the whole you know, uh, getting grant money and, and stuff like that. So we were lumped into that, your retail. And then we were kind of forgotten um, during the last uh, two months um, for uh, for that kind of slow opening of retail, um, mm -hmm. seeing like long lineups at Costco and Ikea. Well, myself, who just primarily wants to work outdoors um, with couples, with families um, far away, well over 10 feet away from them. Uh, very safe, very easy to, easy to manage. So it's, it was a little frustrating, but um, I mean, 
yeah, it was, it was rough getting through Christmas during the second busiest time of my year, um, being able to just, to say goodbye to all that. Oh, well, you know. I mean, and, um, there was a letter too, as well, right? That yeah. wrote. I we think. really, we really didn't. Thank you, uh, Susie, for helping us, and and we really didn't want to be left out um, of this next. Um, we didn't want this date to pass and us to be forgotten again. So we just got together as a community. A bunch of great uh, people came together and wrote um, great copy for letters. Uh, Susie helped out and and uh, just just got a nice campaign together to push over the last week, and it almost like. It almost seemed like the word photographers kind of showed up uh, after all that kind of happened just as an easy win for the government to throw in uh, to an extra group of um, uh, small businesses in Manitoba. So that felt nice, felt nice. Yes, you know, it, it always feels good to be recognized. And yeah. I think too, there is other groups. I think the, the dance school community started a letter. Uh, the yoga fitness people started a letter and I believe two yoga fitness is now included in that opening of 25%. Not too sure about dance studios, but martial arts studios and some of those rec, you know, places are now get to open granted 25%. So we'll see what happens there, but you know what, we'll come back to you, Curtis, because, well, I want to talk more about photography itself and what it means, not only I guess, as a business and everything like that, but it is all, it is also for your mental health and wellness. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's going to be another side topic that we'll talk to, but I'm going to go now to our special guests, uh, Cheyenne and Kaya, they represent NSI and NSI is very dear to my heart because they do so many um, wonderful things and programs that support young filmmakers. And I wanted to talk about filmmaking because it's something that I think uh, I won't say was COVID free or anything like that, because of course, you know, you do need a crew, but very much like what Curtis does, you know, filmmakers see life through a lens. And I think that there's so much that has happened in this last year and a half, and probably more so as we go down into 2021, that the stories that are documented are so important. And uh, Cheyenne, I'm going to go to you because you kind of have this new program or you can talk more about it with NSI because it's called the art of business management. <laughs> and I think we always think of the creative side in filmmaking and we forget that it is a business too as well and especially geared for the indigenous people. So take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy, I guess. Um, so the art of business management, essentially it is targeted for those emerging to mid-level career Indigenous screen content creators. And it is for people who have reached a certain pinnacle of their career and they're looking to further develop their skills as producers. Because essentially, overall, what our programs are, are for is to help cultivate Indigenous storytellers. So Indigenous storytellers are telling Indigenous stories and they're the ones creating that content and, and sharing it to to their audience. So this program will really help people build up their production companies, understand more of the details regarding employment law, financial structures, and HR management, everything that's behind the scenes that often they're, they're just vaguely touched upon in courses, but we're really gonna go in depth, further in depth, and we'll be have presenters from not only indigenous presenters and 
and industry presenters from Canada, but all over the world will have them. And that is through uh, something like Zoom. It gives us the opportunity to bring in those producers and presenters internationally, which is amazing as well. Um, we're also going to be matching up the participants with mentors so they can develop their business strategies and they can for, like, fully assess their skills so they, they can work with other producers as well as develop their own companies. So the whole point is to really just to have more Indigenous producers in Canada. I think it's, it's definitely a niche that we need to expand upon. Oh, and it's so important too to have that communication. And it's great now, like you said, through Zoom that you can expand your borders. You're not just sort of stuck with the same local people. And you yourself, Cheyenne, are, you are an alumni too, correct? From NSI? I am, yes. I did the CBC New Indigenous Voices back in 2012 when I was just starting out as a, a betting young filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still making films? I actually, I transitioned to a music career for, for several years and photography, and now I am re-entering the screen industry. Wow. So uh, you said music. What kind of music? Soul and blues music. Oh, well, you know, I could put you on the spot. And can you sing a little tune for us? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe towards the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll need something to warm us up here because this is freezing cold. And so this is great now to go to, to Kaya. Kaya, too, um, Cheyenne spoke about this new program, and maybe you can speak about the creative process, but then how it is so important to have that business background now to be successful. And, you know, we have such great local Indigenous filmmakers. Hopefully we can expand that and include more, because I think the world is, is yearning for more film and photography and and live music, all of that. Yeah, so I think um, this program in particular kind of came about um, from a lot of conversations that were had and specifically uh, it involved the Indigenous Screen Office as well. And it was just, you know, we have these really amazing filmmakers that are just fantastic storytellers. And they're getting into their careers where now they're having to deal with deal memos and, you know, putting together financial structures. And it's like, you know what, it's time now that we have to sit down and really learn why we have to do all this um, and then how to properly do it as well. It's a bit of a different language when you switch from the creative brain into a little bit more of a, a business side of things. Um, so it's just about take, um, trying to learn the tools to do that. So it did very much come from uh like the Indigenous storytelling community saying that, you know what, these are skills that we need. These are uh, things that we have to know um, and we need to, we need to find a safe space to learn how to do it. Well, that's interesting too, a safe place. What does that mean or what does that look like, Kaya? You know, and I guess, you know, pertaining to the Indigenous uh, filmmaker group. Yeah. You know what? I think it's different for everybody. I always, I, like from my experience, I feel like when I'm in a group of other Indigenous people, there's a level of understanding where I don't necessarily have to explain certain things. Um, they just know right away. Um, so I think it's it's a safe space where, where people can feel comfortable in that way, but also just knowing that they're going to come, they're not going to be judged. Everybody knows that we're all learning um, and might be the, you know, the first four way into like legal language. Um, 
And so it, it can be really intimidating if you're not in a comfortable space with, with people that have a uh, you know, level of understanding. Um, so yeah, I was just trying to create the, those spaces. Yes. And I have been noticing your earrings. <laughs> did you make those? I did not. These were a Christmas gift from my mom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I unfortunately don't have uh, the artist's name. I wish I did. It's on a card downstairs in my living room, but yeah. Well, I was told by a little birdie that you too are an incredible beater. I do dabble. I do dabble. <laughs> <laughs> so we can place our orders then with you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, it makes me very nervous. <laughs> um, well, and how did uh, you get involved with NSI, Kaya? Oh, it's kind of a funny story. So a lot of my family has is actually storytellers. So my dad is a, a writer for for um, the screen. Um, my brother um, is a filmmaker. He actually went through NSI, geez, like 15 years ago, wow. um, a long time ago. And funny, my partner actually went through New Voices with Cheyenne in the same year. <laughs> so I had all these ties to, to NSI. Um, but I myself, I'm not a filmmaker. I totally appreciate and love storytellers. They have a special place in my heart because that's my family. Um, so when a position at NSA came up, I just thought, you know, let's jump at it because I, I really just want to be here to champion storytellers. That's not the type of brain I have. I'm not that type of creative. So like, you know what, this is a perfect role for, for what I'm, you know, I have a little bit more of an analytical brain. So it worked out well. Oh, well, and then, you know, say hi to Liz and Joy and, uh, you know, keep up the great work. So I was going to now throw it out to everybody. Um, Kaya, I guess, mentioned it and it kind of twigged in me, the art of storytelling. And I think it kind of applies to every single one of you here, because every single one of you, you are a storyteller at some point in time, whether it be through the lens as a photographer or whether you're talking or, or doing peer support work and you're telling your lived experience, whether you're you know, presenting and talking to uh, communities about law and everything like that, and whether you're on social media and you're doing all of this communications work, we all are storytellers. So how does it, or I guess I'm gonna start with Curtis, like say, and you've done weddings and it's supposed to be, mm -hmm you know, the greatest day on earth. And I'm sure you've got many stories, you know, horror stories and good stories mm -hmm. and all in between. Uh, but what is it about capturing that look, that nuance, that photo, where it really says it all? And how does that make you feel? And especially the subject too, when they see that? Uh, well, that means everything to me. That's my approach as a, as a business uh, in photography um, is, is telling that unique and personal story. Um, my inspiration behind besides movies and television is uh, are, are just really good war and environmental photographers around the world. And what I learned from them as much as possible is how you can show up uh, at a place like a a room while a bride is getting ready with her mom or um, any type of wedding culturally or, 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 or whatever, or even a family, if I don't know them is first and foremost, gaining that acceptance is, do they trust me enough to stand in front of them with a camera? They're vulnerable. It's a big day for them. And uh, just gaining that acceptance. So I can just be there and not be noticed as a photographer uh, that I just capture the true um, story of what 
that day means to him or her or, or both of them or the whole family um, and uh, paying attention to what is important to them as opposed to just kind of like Pinterest wedding, um, getting this shot, getting that shot, getting this shot. I, I really try to pay attention to what's the relationship with the mom and uh, where did grandma come from and what did it take for her to get to this wedding? And uh, um, as it's, it's just really important to show my couples something that's meaningful to them as opposed to just like the same thing every weekend. So um, telling stories is, is my main motivator for being a photographer. Wow. Have you ever had a difficult time? Of course, all the time. <laughs> That's my job is to is to parse through uh, and and come up with solutions. Uh, it could be anything. It could be a really weird um, family, uh, you know, separation or and they're coming together in one day. It, it could just be uh, someone's nerves. It could be scheduling. It could be rain. It could be a storm. Uh, so just dealing with all those uh, difficulties or, or technical difficulties or emotional difficulties. I'm kind of like a photographer. I don't advertise that I'm a psychiatrist or anything, but I'm definitely there to, um, to, 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 to guide, uh, if I need to, uh, if I need to help out. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen it all. I think I've seen it all. And then I see something and then I see it all. <laughs> well, all again. Well, of course you're going to be back to work. So yeah, something, super something excited for sure. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Rana, I was going to go to you storytelling, which I think is very integral for you in your family. So, yeah. I love that you actually just said that. Yes. I think for us, it's a, it's a very cultural thing as well. Right. I think that, um, you know, many of us come from places where storytelling and I think Kaya and Shan can probably speak to that as well, that storytelling is a very integral part of um, different peoples, right? And um, for us, especially, uh, it's in our songs, it's in our ceremonies, it's in it's in everything that we do, it's in our jewelry, it's in our clothing. Um, so we carry that, you know, and I carry that in law, I carry that in my work. And even when you're trying not to, it still kind of comes out, right? Because it's a part of who you are. Um, so yeah, and I, I found throughout my years, as I've gotten older, um, I'm more aware of it. And I'm more aware of how, um, how certain pieces of um, ancestral history, or my parents history, or cultural pieces start to come out in my everyday communication. And uh, whether it's in law or whether it's in politics or anything that I do. And I think it's, it's a really beautiful thing, you know, and storytelling is just a, it's a, it's a beautiful art. It's a beautiful way to, um, you know, join hearts and join minds together and, and find commonality between peoples. Right. So, um, but, but I think specifically for us, for me, as my family, um, and as I gone, gone, have gone through the years, it is a very integral part of who we are um, and, and how we, how we engage with others and you know when you're when when you're kind of a first gen right you you kind of mute a lot of things right because you want to act like everybody else and you want to fit in and you want to kind of excuse my language but kind of whitewash everything about you just so you fit in um, but I think as you get older and you start to really take pride in those pieces of you it just becomes really beautiful and it makes you feel whole so that's yeah that's my that's my story but it's it's very common in law it's very common in when I go do speaking events when, whatever it's, it's very much a part of part of life so it's just pretty wicked it's pretty cool 
and you know what I I admire that and so I'm wondering is storytelling a, a little bit more cultural uh, like there's there it's a stronger feeling or passion for storytelling in certain cultures than it is in others um, and you know and I, I'm saying that from myself I'm Japanese and yes Rana I was just I just kind of was whitewashed and my parents never really talked about any of the history and I didn't really learn any of it until much later on too as well um, so I wouldn't say that we're culturally a storytelling culture but when I look at the indigenous cultures when I look at Rana's too it is so so much part of it so I don't know how does everybody else feel where your Susie did your parents were the storytelling a big thing Um, yes and no. I'm not sure if you can hear me very well. It's noisy in here today. Sorry, guys. Um, you know, I come from that generation where, um, my, my parents' generation anyway, where it was, you know, we need to assimilate and we don't, we don't talk about, you know, where we came from necessarily. And um, we don't want people to know, like they couldn't tell that we're not, you know, from here or whatever. So it was more about, um, I don't want to say ignoring, but it was like, there was a downplaying for sure. And it was more about being present and being here and not really thinking about, you know, the homes that they came from, which me as a child, I found very confusing and very, um, what's the word? Um, it was just, uh, not that they wouldn't tell stories, but it was like, we're here now, this is what we're going to focus on. And it's just like, yeah, but you have such an amazing story about why you're here now, why you're not there anymore. And I want to understand how that came to be. And because for me, that's part of my story, right? Like, it's not every day. Like you said, like, in my generation, there were no half Filipinos, you know, lying around. There were like a handful, like I'm talking less than 10 of us uh, in my generation. So, I mean, to me, I never got to look around and see people who looked like me, never. And so I had such a longing to understand, okay, where does this mean for me? Where do, where do I fit in? Where does this mean for, you know, how, how I'm going to grow up and who I'm going to look out and see as um, examples of where I came from and what that means. So they didn't really understand. And it's, it's, it's not a failure on their part. They were too busy just trying to survive and trying to raise two kids. But for me, it was an ongoing question and an ongoing quest for that story of where, where they came from and how this all came to be. No. And that's all. And that's a huge question. Um, Robin, <laughs> you know, finding about each other. I, I mean, we, you know, truth be known, we were doing some interviews last night and, uh, you know, listen, I, those stories resonated so long uh, for me and a lot of it was them trying to find out who they are you know and you know indigenous and non-indigenous um, the story was all the same about them just not really fitting in because they didn't know really who they were and that's so important for mental health I think uh I, I, that series that we're doing is get your human back again. And I think storytelling is a part of being human. I think wherever we come from, um, wherever our ancestors came from and what we go through day to day, being able to share those stories allow us to get in touch with ourselves in um, ways that, 
I think sometimes we forget to do. And I, like I'm sitting here listening to you all talk about getting in touch with like cultural histories. And I remember as a kid, like you all know I'm Australian, g'day. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like my parents always just like cut down stories about themselves or shut down stories about anything else. And uh, I think, uh, I know it's going to sound a little weird, I, I think I came from a very different cultural background and someone planted me in this family in this lifetime and I was like, why am I here? What am I meant to learn? Because this doesn't feel right. My feeling is I'm connected to the land and there's stories about the land and nature and, and I'm getting goosebumps while I'm talking about it. And, and so I think I've always, in my own way, been this weird little storyteller and Charlotte's been harassing me about writing a book given that I've worked in a, a bunch of different countries and, and sharing some of those stories. And I think regardless of like our histories or what we've gone through, I, I think stories are, are a way that we can connect to others, but more importantly, we can connect to who we are. And, and that is the piece about mental health that I think you were talking about, Tracy is people want to connect to who they are and get how amazing they are, and that gets lost. So, like, go forth and tell stories every day, all day, and play and just talk about it. Now I'll be quiet. Sorry, I got on my soapbox. Ooh. Oh, Robin. Oh, my goodness. Do I dare go with Charlotte now and Kristen? Because they, they go together, ladies, you know. <laughs> they kind of spill off each other. So, um Yes, so Charlotte. Oh, yeah, family stories. You know, I just want to say that we all were witness to Robin saying that she's going to start writing her book. So let's all hold her accountable for that because this is like a two-year nag I've been working on her for. So anyway. And then, and then we'll work on the movie. I, you know, I, I've got an in at, you know, like NSI. Yeah, so we'll get the movie done too. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that um, Kristen and I see time and time again is... Um, the fear of telling the story with families. They're so petrified to open their mouths and start to share. And it's, it, and there's for lots of different reasons. It's that, you know, their upbringing has shoved everything under the rug or they're scared to out their family. And when Kristen and I give them that safe platform of, uh, of ears and um, non-judgmental, the story starts to come out and um, the feelings afterwards that they just, that they're like, I've never been able to tell my story or my family's story and thank you for listening. And um, then you start to see, um, it's like that shame and blame that's been inside of them for so long, just their shoulders relax, their body, um, just the, the way they're looking changes. And, um, and then they say thank you all the time to us. And, and Kristen and I are just like, we were just listening, like you, you did the work and you know, and thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. And uh, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Kristen, I know you want to add to this. <laughs> well, you kind of said exactly uh, where I was going to go as well. And um, when it comes to mental health, especially a family member supporting someone who's struggling with mental health, um, 
we absolutely deny the story and we we keep we have this uh culture of secrecy uh, of, of secrecy in our home um and uh through the work that charlotte and i do in supporting families and and true peer support you know we uh it, it, it's just a conversation and allowing someone to uh to to open up and be real and typically we got through a curious conversation where we share first with our lived experience right and um you know there's a Brene Brown quote and I'm sorry Brene Brown gets quoted all the time I still love her I know she's overused um but it's something that resonated with me for years uh and that was owning your story is the bravest thing uh you can do and uh for somebody who uh struggles with feeling failure as a parent because an adolescent uh, is really struggling with complex mental health. Um, you know, you deny that story. You, you don't share it first because you're trying to protect uh, your child from judgment. And second, because you really carry a lot of shame and blame and you're still kind of caught up in the swirl of how did I screw this up so bad for my, my child? So um, when you can get people to step outside of that thinking and you can give them a safe place, and, and a connection because you've walked a similar path, um, the storytelling and the release and um, the step towards ownership uh, is, is, such, um, is so beautiful and a necessary step towards wellness and recovery, right? So that's where my head goes when we think of storytelling. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, yeah, the, these two ladies do some incredible peer support for families and uh yeah I worked with you too and now I understand and and I think part of it is just being a, a real listener um you can be engaged when you're listening and I think that's just so important and it's part of being getting our human back too I think right Robin so I'm going to go with Linda because Linda you managed to get stories out like you're working with clients to find out you know about their businesses and, and life coaching um, but you yourself have to tell your own story, right, too? Absolutely. And, and be vulnerable to let me be vulnerable with you. Absolutely. Thank you. For, I, I've just, this is my favorite conversation ever. Storytelling is just, uh, I can't remember the author, but uh, uh, the universe is made of stories, not atoms. And that is what I believe. I think stories hold us together. I think stories are um, incredible, powerful tools. Um, that's why it is so important to see representation on the screen in books, um, because you need to be able to see yourself to be able to make sense of your own life. I think that's what we, we search for constantly is stories to help us make sense of ourselves. And, uh, um, I was actually just talking, I'm a coach as, as um, Tracy was saying, and I actually was just talking to my coach this morning and she was, oh, sorry, that's, um, um, she was challenging me to, um, because I tell stories every day on social media and she was challenging me to say, are you, are you offering enough of your vulnerability? Are you offering enough uh, to let people in to see what you're struggling with as a business owner, you know, um, the challenges, like I so appreciate what Charlotte and, and Kirsten were saying about um, uh, letting people see what's behind 
the facade, you know, getting past your own shame, uh, telling your story. So um, the question that my coach posed to me is who, who can you help by telling this story? You know, your own child, uh, just last week, I got a diagnosis of possible ADHD. Who can you help by saying, I am trying to manage that and have a business and, you know, do all the things while my other, you know, like all the things that we have going on, if I keep that in inside, I'm not helping the other person, the other, you know, mom who's, who's watching my stories and going, oh my gosh, she's also struggling with something that is, can be, you know, shameful or hidden or, um, you know, and she's still managing to, you know, do this, you know, like it gives other people strength. So to me, stories are, yeah, being authentic and real. It's, it's just, um, I think the greatest gift storytellers, I think are just the greatest gifts to our uh, community and our society. So I'm so happy to be in this community, but I have to go shortly because I have to go pick up my daughters at school in a, in a few minutes, but thank you. Hey, life goes on though. It's okay. We're all in this. <laughs> no. Well, thank you so much for sharing and, and, and you're wonderful. And um, it was interesting. Uh, just what Linda was saying, being authentic and being real. So Cheyenne and, and Kaya, um, I know that storytelling for the indigenous people is very, very strong and very real. And I know, especially for young filmmakers, right? It's, it's to tell their stories. I'm just, I'm just curious now, I may be wondering um, with everything, are Indigenous filmmakers specifically making it for an Indigenous audience or are they thinking more global now? Because I know that if you're storytelling, your stories are very personal. Cheyenne, Kaya? Um, well, I guess I'll go first, Cheyenne, if that's okay. <laughs> From the conversation I've had when I've heard people are thinking are thinking in a more global sense. I think um, even those stories can be very specific, even to an area or to a people. I think there are still universal truths in them. Mm-hmm. Um, people across cultures, backgrounds can relate to um, you know th- that specificity. And I think that's not something to shy away from. I actually think that we're seeing a great deal of demand for it. We want to hear those specific stories because mm-hmm. I think we're realizing society isn't this like, I don't know, um, one size fits all. It's not like this kind of, this is the mainstream. It's like, I don't even know if mainstream exists anymore. I mean, I think this that specificity is so important um, and we want to hear more stories about that. And then I think people across the world relate to them. Yeah. Cheyenne? Well, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I, f- I feel like the there is a, a cultural shift right happening with the everyone's perspective on it, it's about representation on screen, but also I don't feel that it's only targeted to rewriting the history because I, I, I do see there's so much importance in understanding the history of Indigenous peoples through their lens and their perspective and their story. But I think it's also just transforming the shift to the present, Mm -hmm. to issues that are happening now and and also to celebrating successes and have like, like Ken said, just having that connection 
of, of not seeing indigenous filmmakers or storytellers as separate, but interwoven into the entire film and screen industry. So I, I think it's just, we are, we are integrating. Everyone is integrating and, and stories are human. Stories are heartfelt, they're soul felt. I don't, I don't think that can be changed. It's just a different way of communicating. And I, I think it's, it's beautiful to see how the industry is shifting right now and transforming. I think that we're, it's an entire new chapter. So <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> Well, just, yeah. Go ahead, Kaya. I was just going to add to that, um, uh, you know, stories to an Indigenous storyteller doesn't necessarily have to do what has been seen as a stereotypical Indigenous story. Um, I think, you know, a story coming from an Indigenous storyteller makes it Indigenous, right? Like that's their perspective, that's their lens. And so that's the way they're going to tell it. Um, I know, you know, that zombie movie by... Um, Jeff Barnaby uh, just came out, I think, last year. And I love a good campy zombie movie. So I think it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know if it's campy, but I'm just loving that, you know, zombie stories and, you know, just a wide spectrum of, of genres. Is, uh, I don't know. Curtis, can you comment? You're the TV movie buff. <laughs> oh, you're muted, I think. Hey, which one is this? Uh, what movie was that? Kaya? Oh my goodness. It's by Jeff Barnaby. <laughs> oh, a zombie movie. It sounds like the only zombie movie I haven't seen. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of movies, while we're here, uh, what movies do you like to watch, Curtis? Uh, I think I've seen everything online now. Uh, I'm just having fun in uh, Disney Plus with my kids. Uh -huh. um, just the new Marvel shows that are coming on and... Um, and uh you know the star wars shows and and just having fun with my kids um i can't think of a oh it's i miss going to the theaters so much like that was my uh that was my therapy um all the time so it's it's been rough and i, I hope we can get back to that soon yeah well yes and you mentioned family so uh, how do you talk to the kids and sharing you know storytelling and and what does that look like? Yeah, I guess, yeah, in the modern age, you know, you've got younger kids. Uh, myself with my own kids, you mean? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, like we, I encourage them to, uh, well, I kind of force them uh, to journal, um, try to journal a few times a week. And, uh, um, and uh, that includes drawing and painting um, as part of journaling. So just trying to I think this is going to be a big time to look back on and uh, we shouldn't hide it. And it's, I'm looking forward to years from now, looking back at their thoughts and, and how they felt during this. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's what I focus on uh, the most is try not to be the news. Uh, I don't watch the news. Um, I mean, I'm on social media, which is just as Bad. discouraging, <laughs> um, but uh, I try to, and so are they in some cases. So mm -hmm. um but uh, I just try to remain positive and uh, we just uh, take moments throughout each day to, to try to be present and um, off, off devices and experience uh, things together and then uh, record uh, things. Have you documented, like taken photographs through all of this too? Yeah, there was times where I just couldn't, like it just picking up a camera was, was rough, but then you know, shortly after that, it was, it was the therapy that telling the story of like, I, I just went through a bunch last night of, of it was last March, like my son and I going into the grocery store and pictures of empty toilet paper racks and, and uh, just 
when all this started and just kind of going through those no school and trying to figure out some kind of homeschool online learning when it was a big mess and teachers didn't know what to do. So just looking back on those pictures were just such an impact of, of, of what it was like, what it, not what it looked like, but just like what it felt like. Oh, I mean, yeah, you have to document that and put that into some sort of book because there isn't a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, I mostly weddings for the past 12 years. And uh, this last year was the biggest jump into families. That was quite easy because in April or or May last year, when we were allowed to like go out again and get haircuts, um, like I, I just did family sessions. There was, it was all postponed weddings and then just family, 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 um, because it just was more family photos became more meaningful to people um, and more important and more therapeutic. And, and uh, so, so that was a big um, thing. And I expect the same thing today too, now that I'm allowed to work, it's haircuts are being done and pe- I'm allowed to take pictures. So um, I, I expect a, a kind of surge of um, family moments being captured. Well, no, I think uh, everything's kind of, you know, doing a pivot and it's just so good that you, photographers are allowed out, allowed yeah. out, so to speak. Yeah. It's not like we still want to, in our community, we're trying to put out all the uh, uh, items we need to, to make sure that we're being safe as yes. possible. I'm grateful to our government in some ways of, of some restrictions. Like I can't imagine being in a New York wedding photographer where, you know, 150 people are allowed to go, you know, and having really good couples that aren't pressuring me into it's okay. You can come. We're just doing a secret wedding in the basement and you come take the pictures. And I'm glad I, I don't have any of those. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's looking like, although we still we're at the end, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel finally. And it's, it's, it's yes. nice. Oh, no, that's great. Well, and I know too, um, this is February. So it's February blues mm. and it's flipping cold outside. <laughs> I know it's just like an oh well yeah we're seeing a little bit of a light in the you know at the end of the tunnel Cheyenne you're in Montreal what are things like there oh I can't complain it's a balmy minus 16 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) sorry (laughs) but then as far as openings how are things oh we have a curfew still okay but it's it's gradually shifting and um, they're slowly reopening non-essential businesses it is what it is. <laughs> I know. It is what it is. Yep. Oh, so Susie now, I guess um, the cold, the blues, we've got 25% open. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel like it's a challenging week, though, for a lot of restaurateurs who are obviously gearing up for Valentine's Day. And I don't think that very many of them will open just because they will not want to deal with it with a rush, with an influx of people. And I feel like most people might have their Valentine's Day plans already kind of in motion. There's so many online options now where you can still pick up, you can do meal kits, you can cook at home, you know, kind of thing. So I think that they're going to um, I think a lot of them will be slow to get to that 25% just because they want to get through this weekend. Next week, I'm sure you'll see much more um, readiness and um, uh, functionality as far as the restaurants are concerned. But for this weekend, I don't blame them for not wanting to, to get to that point right now because they are trying to execute this 
you know, big weekend for them really. And um, I think it's great though that, um, what I find with this Valentine's Day during the pandemic is that I feel like we get like three days of it now because a lot of these meal kits, you can decide if you want on the 12th or the 13th or the 14th, you could have three Valentine's Day dinners if you want to, which I think is kind of fantastic. So that's all good as far as I'm concerned. And be nice to your restaurant staff, as I always <laughs> uh, like to stress, be nice, be kind. Yeah, be courteous. Oh, yes, yes, no doubt. Yeah. What are you doing for Valentine's, Miss Irana? to I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna be angry and just kidding <laughs> three dinners Rana you can have three dinners <laughs> and I'm gonna be like we're all the men in this world just kidding just kidding just kidding uh yeah I don't know I'm just gonna pretend it doesn't exist ah oh, Valentine's Day sucks for single people man <laughs> just call this what it is I don't know why we beat around the bush just I could also say that it sucks for a lot of people who who are in relationships so <laughs> I'm totally just being a jerk no you know what I'm gonna I I don't know I have no real plans it doesn't really exist to me I have no one buying me flowers so whatever <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy you flowers okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah no it's uh you know it's a it's a it's just an it's a it's another day but you know the February blues are are real right I think that uh there's a lot of I don't know, people just seem a bit down this month, more so than normal. Last month was very tough for me, but I think this month has been a little bit, meh, you know, so I hope people just, and it's the cold too. Um, so I hope, uh, I don't know, I hope we're just like, kind of looking after each other and checking in with people. And, and I um, think that's a perfect maybe a little extra this month. Go ahead. Sorry. That's a perfect reason though, Rana, to celebrate like love in general. Like this pandemic has really kind of, you know, <sighs> I don't want to say that romantic love is overrated, but I mean, it's kind of overrated in some senses. And if you can expand your circle of love to just celebrate people that you love and miss in general, perfect opportunity to do that. This does not have to be about, you know, traditional romance or anything like that. Let's just celebrate love, period. And if that means, you know, getting together with your niece and having, you know, little hearts and hugs and kisses, like all those things are so important. So don't get hung up on the romanticization of this holiday. If we can expand the definition of that, I think that would be so beneficial for our mental health and, <laughs> and for just all of us right now, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm really, so like, just as a disclaimer, I'm really not that angry. <laughs> I have a very, I have a very fulfilled. No, I friend. like angry Rana. <laughs> I want the rage to come out once in a while. No, you are wearing blue. Yeah, you are wearing blue. All jokes aside, no, man. I mean, we're just, we're all, we're all in it together, right? We're all just, um, we all have our people. We all have our friends. We all have our connections, and you know, there's nothing more valuable than that. And if this year has taught us anything. It's know who your people are and have them, take care of them, right? Right. And you know what, Rana? You can get a family uh, photo shoot with Curtis. There, show your love. <laughs> Call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what are you doing, Robin? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm dating someone that thinks we should celebrate love every day and not just pick valentine's day so um we're not doing anything for valentine's day at all <clears throat> um because I, like i've sat down and thought about it too why like 
we have Bell Let's Talk Day one day a year and it's like, woohoo, let's talk about mental health. And then we have Valentine's Day and it's like, woohoo, let's celebrate love. Why don't we celebrate that every day? Like, as Susie said, love for our families, love for our friends, romantic love, whatever it is. Um, so I want to change those things up that every day I celebrate into the person I'm dating. Every day I want to celebrate how I feel about you, like, and how much I adore you. So... Uh, that's what I'm going to do every day. Nothing special like this coming weekend. And that's that's my commitment to my family, my friends and and everyone. So, yeah, every day. Well, now we all want to date Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, lucky girl. Yeah, maybe they she could, Ari, Robin, you can talk to our husbands and <laughs> they can write it down. <laughs> Well, uh, Charlotte's forever uh, interpreting girl for me because, you know, the boy in here goes, what? what was that? Charlotte goes, let me interpret. So happy to chat with the guys out there because the guy brain is completely in here. But uh, I guess being um, culturalised as a girl as I grew up, I, you know, I, I now term myself a hybrid and I love this hybrid. And I think uh, the person I'm dating quite likes the hybrid as well. I don't know. I think you've got a book there. <laughs> I see a lot of a lot of heads going up and down. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know what? And, and Kristen and, and uh, well, Charlotte, you're at your lovely cabin. You're looking very, you know, chic. Um, so. Anyways, just to be outside of the house, I'm very jealous, but just a quiet Valentine's Day too. Or you don't like uh, Yeah. My my partner's like Robin. He he doesn't he celebrates every day, not just on February 14th. So um I don't know what we're gonna do. Probably a bonfire outside if the weather's good. Or well, no snowmobiling. Snowmobile's out now, but uh yeah, it's it's nice being out here. So yeah. Well, that's good. How about you, well, Kristen? I'm going to celebrate Valentine's weekend by loving my nails and toes and going to visit um, and support my local um, nail spot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is. Yes, that is the greatest love. Safely. Safely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And how about you, Cheyenne? In romantic Montreal, I have to say, <laughs> I love Montreal. It is a beautiful city. Um, I'll just probably be going for a walk. And I really I do resonate with what Robin mentioned about just expressing love for your familial support system, your friends. And I think it's important, as difficult as these times are, to find a moment every day and just express gratitude. It can be something small. It can be something big. Just I think having that moment to reflect on what we are grateful helps anchor us. And, yeah. So there is a silver lining to all of this. And how about you, Kaya? You know what? Me and my partner have been together for 11 years. Nice. And we have never once celebrated Valentine's Day. It is not in our wheelhouse. That's something we just don't do. And it's never been an issue. 
I don't know. I think that's just the type of people we are. We're pretty low key and we don't get into like huge celebrations. However, this year I will say though, we are babysitting our niece who is about six months. Ooh. Her parents are going out and I'm so looking forward to it because she was born in August and we did not get a lot of time to spend with her because of COVID. So Valentine's Day evening, we're going to go spend it with our little baby niece. Wow. So that will definitely be special. Let's hope she doesn't poop. I'm just, I'm just kidding. She will poop. <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely be poop. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I hear someone say nails and yes. pedicures are? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, there's my Valentine's present. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going. And so Curtis, too, you know, you've got, uh, you got a whole family. You can't forget Valentine's. No, uh, I will be finding some delicious local food to uh, grab and and uh, treat uh, my girlfriend um, as uh, as best I can. Um, uh, maybe a little mini date to show extra gratitude towards my children. And uh, yeah, take my daughter and I can go out for a nails date for sure. Uh, I need I need mine painted too. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I like the, uh, like love each other every day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's nice to have that data to, to scramble and, and put something uh, <laughs> hopelessly romantic together. Oh, well, regardless, let's all share our love too with, with everybody. And, uh, you know, thank you, Cheyenne and Kaya for joining us and Curtis. It's been great to finally meet you and uh maybe we'll see you at the next wedding celebration wherever we go and uh, yes, yeah. yep and we look forward to some great uh, filmmakers coming out of nsi so yeah so share the love i know it's cold out but enjoy the sunshine that's the best thing right the sun is out yes okay so we'll wrap it up here and we'll see you all next week thank you Hey. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Bye, everyone. Next week is all about human rights. We're having guests from the National Gallery of Canada from Toronto. Right okay. on. Let's see how Theo's doing. Love ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikehugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Kyle.
Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.